in light of what I'm about to say this morning, let me start off and just, just tell you, make it plain, uh, I am not all that old. Uh, clearly, I'm getting older, I'll admit that, but at 26, I'm not all that old, uh, even though what I'm about to tell you may sound a little bit like that. Let me, let me say this, it sounds like something that, that my parents or my grandparents would have said, but, but let me just tell you, I believe that we are living in the most distracted time in the history of the world. I believe that. I believe in the history of our world, we are living in the most hectic, the busiest, most chaotic, most distracted time in the history of our planet. I just think about all the things that are going on, all the things that, that we watch and we see and all the things that are happening. And then I think back not that, not that long ago. Again, remember, not, I'm not that old but remember when we had one TV, not two and three and four, one in everybody's bedroom? Remember when there were three channels on the TV, not 200 channels? It wasn't that long ago. Remember when you had to get up, and mostly the kids had to get up and change the channel and actually move the antenna sometimes to get it to come in? Wasn't that long ago. Remember when we had one phone line? and not a phone line on every person. Uh, remember when the phone was on the wall? And I guess depending on how much you were to talk, if you were special, you'd have a long cord so you can make it back to the couch. That was my granny. Now everybody has one in their hand or in their pocket. Kids are walking around with them in their hands. Remember when the phone was for talking? That was the primary thing you did on a phone. I think that's the least of the things we do on our phone today. How about this one? Remember when you could drive somewhere, actually drive somewhere, and know where you were going? I can remember saying, you know what? When you get to the blacktop, turn right. Uh, when you get to the highway, you're going to go south, and three miles, you'll turn back to the left. Uh, the other day, I was in the Metroplex, and let me just tell you, I'm pretty sure if it wasn't for the GPS on my phone, you would never have seen me again. You see, there is a thing called I-35, and I-35 runs north and south across Texas. It starts on the southern border at Laredo. It goes at the top border of Texas at Gainesville. Uh, it moves across north and south across Texas. I-35 splits south of the Metroplex and comes back together again north of the Metroplex. And so what that means is this. There is I-35 west, and there is I-35 east. But that's really not what it is. What it really is is this. There is I-35 west north and I-35 east north. And there's I-35 east south and I-35 west south. That's a true story. Now, I was going on the, on the south and I was on the west side. I was on the Fort Worth side. And so I, I pull up and I'm looking for I-35 west south. And when I get there, there it is. There's I-35 west-south, and there is the regular I-35 west-south. However, now there is an I-35 west-south express that is newly opened. Now, that is right beside I-35 west-north, the regular one, and I-35 west-north, the express one, but the express one on the north is not open yet. Now... Not only are, is that all there, there's I-35 West North Access Road 
running beside it. There's I-35 West South Access Road, and, and it makes sense that those are running right beside I-35 West, South, and North, depending on which direction you're going. Now, it happens that on this day, there is heavy construction going on. And so not only is there I-35 West, South, the regular one, and I-35 West, South, the express one, there's also a bunch of cars on I-35 West, South, the access road, and many times they're going faster than the other two. But also on this special day, there is I-35 West, South, truck route. Because of, because of the construction, there's a bunch of cones and there's a bunch of signs, and they were saying the trucks on I-35 West that are headed south need to pull over into a different lane that was, was moving in and out. Now, as I was thinking about all that, if that gets too hard and too complicated, there is Loop 820. And at Loop 820, you can miss part of I-35 West South, and you can loop around and join I-35 West South further south. But here's where you need to not mess up. There is Loop 820 East and Loop 820 West. And both of them will come back around and join I-35 West South. Um, just one of them is further than the other. Now, now, think about all that for just a second. I don't want to get you confused. <laughs> and so don't confuse that with, with Loop 635, which joins I-35 East North and I-35 East South or I-35 east-south and I-35 east-north, depending on which way that you're going. Now, those are over by Dallas. But if you get on that road, remember, there's also a, a 635 east and a 635 west. Both of them will go north and south, joining up with south or north, depending on which direction you're going. Now, remember, I was going south. Now, I made it to I-35 west-south. And I, I thought, well, I'm a regular person. I'll get on the regular one. So I got on the I-35 West South regular. Now, I could see very quickly that I should have gotten on I-35 West South Express as they were moving a whole lot faster because the trucks were not taking I-35 West South truck route. Uh, and so they're pushing a whole lot of cars over onto the access road. Now, this is the actual true story. As I'm coming along and I'm freaking out, and I'm pretty sure I'm not going to make this exit, and I can't even see how to get over to this exit. And the thing on my phone is saying, reroute, reroute, circle around, reroute. I don't even know what they're saying anymore. I'm totally freaking out, thinking I'm not ever going to get out of here. And I pass a guy who is driving, and he's eating, it looked like an Egg McMuffin, and he was looking at his phone, and I'm pretty sure he's watching TV. And I thought, don't you remember when things were a lot simpler? Today our message is entitled, The Danger of Distraction. The Danger of Distraction. Living in the most distracted time, I believe, on the face of the earth, we're going to see today the danger of distraction. We're in Luke chapter 21 today, verses 34 through 36. Luke chapter 21 today, verses 34 through 36. As always, I'm going to ask that you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence and the celebration of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 21, beginning in the 34th verse, says this. Jesus is speaking. Be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. And the day will not come upon you suddenly like a trap. 
for it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth. But keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your character. I'm thankful that you're you're gracious and you're kind. Thankful that you're infinitely wise. I'm thankful that you're, you're just and you're holy. I'm thankful that you're loving to me and to us as sinners. I'm thankful that you saw our helpless estate and you sent Christ and he shed his own blood for us. I'm thankful for the peace that we have settled in the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the hope that we have in a risen and reigning Savior who is coming again for us very soon. I pray now as we begin to study your word, I pray that in this hour you would remove the hindrances to our hearing, that you would change our attitudes and our hearts, that you would open our ears and our eyes, and that we would hear a message from the living God, from the truth of his word that's living and active. I pray that we will be encouraged today, that we will be instructed today. I pray that some here that do not know Christ might be saved today, Lord. We trust this to you. We give it to you as an act of worship. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today we resume in Luke chapter 21, Jesus' teaching, his discourse with the disciples on the events of the end times. Now, if you remember this chapter, uh, they have asked him some questions and they're there in the, the temple courtyard and he has used this time to talk to them, to have a discussion with them on the events of the end time. Well, this week in our verses, after his teaching, he brings the, the conversation to a conclusion with these three verses. And so understand, he's been talking about the events of the end time. He brings that conversation. He finishes it with these three verses. Now let me, let me say this today. As we conclude this section of verses on the end times with these three verses. Let me say this. We are to read Bible prophecy for sure. We are to read Bible prophecy. In fact, the Bible says God blesses our study of Bible prophecy. The Bible says that. But let me just tell you today, as we come to these three verses, I am less impressed with a person's knowledge of the end times as I am with their living in light of the end times. Now, what I mean by that is this. It matters little how much you know about the rapture and the tribulation and the millennial reign and the second coming if how you are living now hasn't been changed by your view of the end times. And that's what I'm talking about. It doesn't, it doesn't impress me to have a, a, a giant knowledge of the events of the end times if how you're living now, how you're walking out the course of your days hasn't been shaped, hasn't become urgent by the truth of the end times. Friends, be sure Jesus is coming again and we are to be urgent. That's really gonna be the point of this whole message. Jesus is coming again very soon and we're to be different. Our perspective is to be different. Our priorities are to be different because of the truth that Jesus is coming again very soon. Now from our verses today, I wanna look at three 
ideas or three truths from our verses. This is how Jesus wraps up the discussion. First, I want us to see the distraction in the end times. Then I want us to see the danger in the end times. And then last, I want us to see our duty in the end times. Again, how Jesus wraps up his discussion on these end time events. First, we start off today with the distraction of the end times. Listen to verse 34 again. Be on guard so that your hearts will be not weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life and that the day will not come on you suddenly like a trap. Be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. Now let's break down that verse. Be on guard is actually a Greek word that means take heed. It has a very serious connotation. It means devote yourself. It means give full attention to. Now that's the seriousness of this phrase, of this word. Give full attention to. This is not a passing thought. This is not a fleeting thought. This is a major thought for followers of Jesus Christ. This is to be a consuming thought for followers of Jesus Christ. Be on guard. Give full attention to. Says this. So that your hearts. Give full attention to so that your hearts. Now I want to stop right here for just a second. See this today. This today is an issue of the heart. It is an issue of the heart. Now remember here, he is talking to disciples. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's not talking to lost people. Rather, he is talking here to disciples. He's talking to Peter. He's talking to John. He's talking to the others. Now what that means is this. Be sure of this. Believers have to be on guard not to have divided hearts. Believers have to be on guard not to have apathetic hearts. Believers have to be on guard not to be found with distracted hearts. And so he's talking to the disciples here and he says, be on guard. It's a matter of your heart. Be on guard that you do not be found with a distracted heart. It says that you'll be weighted down. You will not be weighted down. It means heavy pressed. It, it actually means overloaded or overcharged. If you were to have a wagon and the wagon could carry this much weight and you put that much weight and you put about 10% more on it and then you put about 10% more on it and it starts to bow a little bit and the, the, the axle starts to, to curve a little bit and you're to put 10% more on it, it is to be overloaded. It is to be overcharged. And so it says here that we're to be on guard. It's to be a, a major thought that our hearts would not be overloaded. Our hearts would not be overcharged. And then it tells us with what? And it's really two different things here. The first thing is this, dissipation and drunkenness. That's the first thing. Be, be sure be aware that your heart does not become burdened, overloaded with dissipation and drunkenness. That's the first thing. The second thing is, and the worries of life. And the worries of life. Now, 
dissipation. Another translation says carousing. There are several forms of that word. That's a pretty good translation, carousing. Carousing and drunkenness. It means intoxication. It means the idleness of life. Listen, I've got everything settled. I'm going to spend some time in dissipation. I'm going to carouse around and I'm going to satisfy myself and I'm going to spend these hours in drunkenness. And so we see that's one of the distractions. Or it says, the worries of life. It's talking about, and it's, it's a pretty interesting thing, the worries is talking about the cares, the anxieties, and really it's just the issues of life, the things of life. Now, I think this is very important for us to see today. The things of life can become burdensome on your heart. The things of life, the issues of life can be a a wagon that's overloaded and it can be a weight on your heart. Notice this. God lists becoming consumed with the issues of life, with the things of life, right there with drunkenness and carousing. You see, all of those things are matters of the heart. And all of those things must be guarded against. Listen to me today. Hear me today. It is just as big of a problem. It is just as big of a sin. And it is just as dangerous for you to become so tangled up and so consumed and so buried down with the things of life as it is for you to be a carousing drunkard. That's what what the Bible just said. Today we go around and we act like Being so crazy busy means that we're important. We act like being so crazy busy must mean that we're productive. I've I've got all the irons in the fire and I've got all the cares and the worries and all the balls are in the air. I must be productive. We act like it means we must be necessary. If all these things are going on, I must be necessary. No, listen, God says it means that you are distracted and it's as big of a problem for your heart as if you were a drunkard or a carousing person. And for that, we have to be on guard. We have to be deliberate. We have to be careful in the end days. Let me tell you, I believe Satan is winning this one. I believe the world is winning this one. Today, we're so distracted, we're so busy, we've got so much stuff, we've got reminders on our phones going off telling us this is happening, this is happening. We write down stuff, I can't remember where I wrote down this stuff at. I believe Satan is winning this. We've become so concerned with the issues of the day that our hearts are weighted down. And so we see today the distraction in the end days. Then we see the danger in the end days. Now there's idleness and there's busyness. We see the distractions in the end days. We see how those are prone to distract us, to to weigh down our heart. But then we also see the danger in the end days. This is the end of verse 34. And that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap. Be on guard, be aware. So that day will not come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will, verse 35, for it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Now I want you to hear what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, listen, the day is coming. The day is coming. Jesus says the day is coming and it's going to be unexpected. The word for trap here is a snare. Think about a snare. A snare is unseen. 
you're not aware of the snare and you're moving along and you're going along and all of a sudden there's a snare and it pops and it snaps up and you're caught there in the snare. Just like that, Jesus says it's gonna be unexpected. He says the day is coming and you're gonna be busy and you're gonna be moving and like a trap that springs shut, it's gonna happen. And then he says it's also gonna be not only unexpected, it's gonna be universal. It says it will come upon all those who live on the earth. It's gonna be universal, all of us. So Jesus says here, the danger of the day is this, that we would live like it's not coming. Jesus says here, the day is coming, the day is coming. Here's the danger, that we would live like it's not coming. That's the danger. Maybe we've been distracted in the cares of the world. Maybe the idleness of the world and the pleasures of the world, it doesn't matter, it's all the same. We're living like the day is not coming. And Jesus says that is the danger like a snare that pops up. Listen to what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. Listen to this, just listen. Know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. P Peter says in the last days, mockers will come and they're gonna say, well, when's it gonna happen? They're gonna come and say, well, in these, in these last days, we don't see any proof of it. We've been here this long. When's it gonna happen? He says in the last day, liars are gonna come and say, look how long it's been. It's not going to happen. And listen, the danger is that the people of Jesus Christ will start to live their lives like it's not going to happen. The danger is we would go through our days and we would expend our energy and we would set our priorities and we would move through the days like it's not going to happen. Listen to me, I, this, this bothers me. Preachers today, instead of leading us to be comfortable now, instead of promising us comfort now, they should be leading us to be urgent in these days. Listen to the message today. It's about now, it's about now, it's about now. No, it's about a day when Jesus will come. We can't be comfortable in these days. Folks, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God and the salvation. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the hope of sinful people. The only hope we have, the only hope that's ever gonna stand. But you listen to me at the same time. If the gospel of Jesus Christ is anything, it is urgent in these days. Let me tell you this morning. If we in the church can become complacent, if we in the church can become apathetic, 
if we in the church can become satisfied, if we in the church have become distracted from the urgency of sharing the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have lost our way as a church. We're no longer on the mission of Jesus Christ. God, give us urgency. God, make us urgent. God, help us live in light of the fact that you're coming again. Those without the gospel, they will perish and be damned. God, make us urgent in our church today. Oh, that we would be urgent. And so we see the distraction in the last days. Then we see the danger in the last days. And then we see our duty. What are we to do? Our duty in the last days. Verse 36. Jesus says, But keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Here's our duty in, in this verse. But keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. The verse starts off with but. It is a turning place. Do not be carried away in the cares of the life. Do not be carried away in the, the pleasures and the idleness of this life. But keep on the alert at all times. Now this is a different, this is a different Greek word. It literally means, now listen to the urgency in it. Be sleepless. Do you hear the urgency? Keep awake. You ever, you ever drive somewhere late at night and you're falling asleep and you can't afford to fall asleep? Be awake. Wake up. Be sleepless. This is to be our mindset as we go through 2018. We're to be alert. We're to be aware. Jesus is coming again very soon in 2018. That is to be our mindset. That is to be our mindset this summer. I don't know why we think, well, he might not come back in the summer. We'll drop everything. Listen, that needs to be our mindset in the summer. That needs to be our mindset next week. As we set our calendars, as we plan our days, as we prepare our priorities as believers, this is to be our mindset. Jesus is coming again very soon, and I have to stay awake. I have to be aware. Jesus is coming again very soon. How would that change your day today if that was your mindset? doesn't mean we're to stop working. No, God blesses work, but it means we're to work with a hammer in one hand and our eye on the sky in the other. Jesus is coming again very soon. It says, stay awake, watch. Then it says this, praying that you may have strength to escape. Now, to escape means to come away from. Praying that you may have the strength to come away from all the things, these, these troubles that are going to happen in the end days, these temptations that are going to happen in the end days, these happenings of the end days, pray that you would be able to come away from the things that are about to take place. Now, I had to stop here for just a second. Do you see the call for prayer? Do you see the, the need for prayer? 
Do you see the urgency, the benefit, evidently the necessity of prayer? He doesn't say preach louder, preach louder. He says pray. We'll, we'll preach out of our praying is what he's talking about. We're to pray. Do you see the necessity of prayer in the end days? When I read these verses, I'm convicted. You know what? I'm not praying enough about this. We're not praying enough as a church, as a people about this. In the end days, we better be aware. We have to stay awake and pray. But listen to what it says. Pray for yourself that you will endure, that you will stand, that you will come away from the things that are about to take place. Pray for yourself that you will stand in these days. And then the last line. Maybe as shocking as any that's in the Bible. It says this. And to stand before the Son of Man. Now we might pass over that very quickly. Listen, that may be about as shocking of a statement as we find in Scripture, and to stand before the Son of Man. And the Son of Man is used 88 times in the New Testament. 83 of those times, Jesus is referring to himself. Jesus is speaking of himself. Understand today, the the Son of Man is referring to the Messiah. It's referring to the anointed, promised Christ, listen, they were looking for a son of man. Our hope was in the coming of a son of man, that he would would come and redeem his kinsmen. And so the hope was in the son of man. The promise was in the son of man. It is referring to Jesus, our Lord. That is the son of man. Daniel chapter seven. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming and he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion, his rule, is an everlasting dominion. He's going to rule forever, which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. That is talking about the Son of Man, Jesus. Matthew chapter 20, it says, The Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. That son of man is talking about Jesus. Mark chapter two says, so that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Who is that son of man? It's talking about Jesus. John chapter three says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. It's talking about the cross of Calvary. Who is the savior of that cross? It's talking about Jesus. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus says of himself, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Listen to me. The son of man is the savior for our sins. It's Jesus. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says, and who do they say that the son of man is? Peter correctly answers, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. It's God himself, Emmanuel, Jesus. In Luke chapter nine, Jesus says, the son of man must suffer many things. He must be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised up. And on the third day, he will live again. Praise God, the son of man is our risen savior, Jesus. Matthew chapter 26, 
Jesus says, listen to this. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter, listen, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. The Son of Man, He is the Messiah. He is the King. He is the Lord. He is reigning. He is risen. And His name is Jesus. That is the Son of Man. And you listen to me today, church. However distracted you may be today, however comfortable you may have become today, however self-satisfied you are today, one day you will stand before the Son of Man. Oh, that's too much. Oh, how can I ever be complacent? I'm gonna stand before the Son of Man. How can I ever slumber in these days? How can I become apathetic? How could I care less about a lost world? Jesus is coming, and as a sinner redeemed by Christ, I will stand before the Son of Man. So the Bible says do two things. It was in one of our songs. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. For believers, and I'm talking about believers, it was too. Those who've been saved by faith in Jesus Christ, I find in the New Testament two ways that we're going to meet Jesus, two potential ways, possible ways that we can meet Jesus on that day. After my friend had taken his life, after I'm evaluating my life, after I'm wondering what, what is it, how we're living, what's going to come of these days, I came across this verse. It's in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. Now listen to what it says. Now little children, Christian, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Listen, there's two ways that we're going to meet Jesus. One of those ways we'll meet our Savior. The one that died in our place, the perfect Lamb of God. And we'll see him there and his glory will fill the air. We'll see him there. And his majesty will reign and it'll, it'll, it'll press out. The Bible says, as the train of his robe filled the temple, his glory will fill the room. And we'll see our Savior and the nail prints will be in his hand. We'll see our Savior who humbled himself and he took my place on a cross of Calvary. I'll see my Savior who died in my place and I'll have to seem in shame. I have to look down. Wasted days, squandered opportunities. You meet the Savior, Jesus, and you have to meet him in shame. That's what it says. Or the other way is this. You can meet him in confidence. Not confidence of your righteousness. You're there because of his. 
Not confidence that he needed anything of you, but you can meet him in confidence that when you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you heard of a Savior that died in your place, when you heard of his blood that redeemed you, that when you put your hand to the plow, you didn't let go, when you knew of a Savior, Jesus, that you committed to his cause and you lived out these days, that you might stand on that day. And you can come on that day, and when he comes, you can say, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I shouldn't be even be in your presence. But I want to tell you, when I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, I not only committed to you, I committed to tell a lost world about it. And I stand here today, and I'm proud of my Savior, Jesus, and I meet him in confidence. Doesn't that matter? Doesn't that change everything? You can meet Jesus and you can have to look down or you can meet Jesus and you can meet him and look him in the eye in confidence. Jesus is coming again very soon. There's no room for distraction. There's no room for apathy. Let us be that type of people. Let us be that type of church. Listen, let Calvary Baptist Church be that type of church. You know what they did? They prayed. You know what they did? They worked. And they kept an eye to the sky. And they knew Jesus was coming again. They knew 15,000 people in Wilbarger County. They knew a whole slug of them needed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they were not lazy. Let us be that people. Let me be that person. Let you be that person. For his glory. For his namesake. Let's pray. Dear me, Father, we come today and I'm thankful for the truth of your word. And I'm thankful that you tell us about the end times and you tell us just as sure as there's a cross, you've gone to prepare a place for us. You tell us just as sure as there's a first coming, there's going to be a second coming. You tell us just as sure as the temple's knocked over and there's rubble there now, there's coming a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And there'll neither be sorrow there, suffering, nor tears. You'll wipe them away. We're thankful for what you tell us. But I pray that in these days we'll be so impressed by you, so enamored by you, so impressed by the gospel of Jesus Christ that we would not be distracted in these days, not with the worries of life, not with the pleasures of life. I pray for a church that would be on mission. I pray for people that would be on mission. I pray for a Savior that would be known. And I pray for glory that's all yours. Help us in that. Lead us in that. Lord, I pray for some right now that are in this room, and I believe they do not have a relationship with Christ. Lord, you know who they are. They know who they are, I believe. I pray that in the preaching of the good news of the gospel, the hearing of the good news of the gospel, that today might be the day of their salvation. They would know time is urgent for them as well, and today would be the day they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, open, open their hearts and their ears. Remove the distractions. Lord, I pray in this time of invitation that you would work, that you would move freely. I pray for believers here that, that we would be convicted, that we'd be renewed, that we'd be encouraged, that we'd be reminded. Lord, we love you. And I praise you, Jesus.
the Son of Man. It's in your name I pray. Amen.